On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Good everyone and welcome to the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this uh, balmy Wednesday night. Uh, Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Good evening, Rodrigo. Hello, listeners. Yes, good to see you. And Carlos, you're back in the house. Hello, Rodrigo. Hello, Vinny Venezuela. It is a beautiful Wednesday night. It is, isn't it? And no, no Warren again. No Warren because he is... Overseas, which but we're co- cock a hoop about. We are cock a hoop. We, yeah, it's, it's well, certainly the dynamic between you and he uh, calms Vinny and I down yes. a little bit too, because yeah, I get a bit nervous. Yep. But uh, we are going to actually call Warren, yes. who is in the UK at the moment on his excellent adventure, yes. and uh, we're going to ask him some questions because he was at the Merseyside Derby ah. um, on Saturday. So we'll talk to Warren, ask him what it was like because yes. this is a trip of a lifetime. The people that have uh, listened to us over the years know. How much Warren just loves. I'm expecting cheers on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. I'm looking forward to that. So we'll catch up with Warren very, very shortly. Actually, Jackson Irvine, Socceroo mm, star, I think yes. we can call him that now. Yes. Um, he is uh, going to talk to us. Um, obviously, um, Burton Albion star as well, scoring for fun at the moment. I'm so. calling him a 10 year Socceroo. <laughs> I'm declaring he's a 10 year Socceroo. And you, you, you know, nobody will come back <laughs> I, at you. Not and for say, 10 years oh, anyway. Come on, I, Carl. I'm calling him the other divine ponytail. <laughs> yeah. True. Tell you what, he is in absolute fantastic mm. form. And uh, Mike McGrath a little bit later on as well. We'll take your text messages, of course, on 0433981116. And of course, thanks to Finey uh, on another fantastic show. We'll be back tomorrow from 7. And of course, Zanna's. And Poults on just before the Diego's. Uh, what's up with that? And or what uh, up with that? Hi there, Marie. Also, yeah, got Marie. I love yes. it. Hey, love Marie. It. Always, Always uh, a bit of a cheerio at the start of the show. Yeah, zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Uh, look forward to your calls. It's uh, eight past eleven. Warren singing that? I thought it was Johnny Farnham. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, every random Liverpool supporter who just was flicking stations in are now locked into the Diego's and welcome. Thanks for joining us. This is Liverpool radio for the next uh, (laughs) five to ten minutes or so. Let's go to the UK, and I don't know where he is at the moment, and Mm. I've travelled with this guy, so... He might be anywhere. Probably Uh, the shop. It is our very own Warren Diego. G'day, Warren, and welcome to the show. Yeah, g'day, boys. Um, yeah, I have just finished shopping. Vinny is very interested today. Yep. So, uh, one of those random trips shopping, and Vinny did a great job with the weather, so congratulations for <laughs> that. I'll be, I'll be having that back next Wednesday night. But no, it is good to talk to you, boys. We're sitting outside of Albert's Dock, which is on the docks area of um, Liverpool, having a 
a bite to eat before we um, prepare ourselves for the uh, Bournemouth game this evening. And Warren, are you doing that thing that you normally do when you go shopping where you shake the shop assistant's hand for selling you a <laughs> pair of runners and or any yeah, other I random thing? Day, Vinny, can I say to you, to make the shop, um, shake the shop assistant's hand is just as important in Liverpool as it was in Brazil because just very quietly, I have no idea what they're saying most of the time. <laughs> it is. Now, Warren, it's Carlos. Take us back Carlos. to the weekend. It was a dream country. I, I know your big moments in your life are your wedding, the birth of your three beautiful daughters, and, of yep. course, uh, Merseyside Derby. Now, have you experienced that too? Firstly, rank them <laughs> the most important. And secondly, tell us the truth. Did you shed a tear anywhere? Because I know there would have been a lot of man hugs. You're not a man hugger normally, but you would have no, been no, hugging I, a lot of men. Oh, look, because my wife's in bed and my children aren't listening, it is definitely now number one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, yeah, there were tears shed. And in all seriousness, you you build it up to actually have an impression in your head as to what it's actually like. And it's probably bigger than what you actually imagine it to be. The atmosphere is something out of this world. It's a, I don't know, is it like going to a World Cup? I suppose it's like going to a World Cup game, the excitement. But then maybe the passion is the thing that... It's just palpable. It is quite an amazing thing. And I'm travelling with um, a good friend of the Diego's. And uh, one thing that we've noticed is the whole town revolves around football. We were at um, we were at a German bar last night watching Everton play Manchester United. And it was... Yeah, it was like those experiences in Brazil where we went to a cafe to specifically watch a game. And you've got Everton and Liverpool play, um, supporters coming together with the single mindset of beating Manchester United. <laughs> it's, it's the whole city, and it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that the whole city is revolved around the football team. And, you know, it's, it's every, I don't know, not every second person, but today, game day, I reckon you've got, you know, every hundred people, somebody's wearing a Liverpool, you know, something Liverpool. It's quite incredible. And Warren, is the walk into the stadium as massive as sort of just singing that song? Yeah, no, it is. And, you know, um, we've been there. This will be the third time we've been there because we went for a, a ground tour that took us onto the ground and into the cop and the main stand and the, and the boardroom at Liverpool, which is quite amazing, the new main stand. But, you know, they talk about, you know, the Paisley Gates and the Shankly Gates and, and the Memorial as well. And, yeah, the whole experience in here, if you can imagine a very working-class part of the city that has got really very narrow roads of terrace houses that lead to the ground, and then the ground itself is just a, a monolith that comes out of, the, out of that area. And then you have Stanley Park, and literally you have, Goodison Park on the other side of Stanley Park. It is quite amazing. And within the stadium, you know, there were about 3,000 Everton fans. And every time they look to make any sort of noise as well, it's just, um, yeah, it is surreal. Quite an amazing experience. And I don't think it's something that you can actually sort of imagine what it'll be like until you actually go there. It's, it's really incredible. Hey, Warren, it's Rodrigo. You mentioned uh, the Everton fans. Did you get a sense given that you know you, you would have watched this game in relative luxury, <laughs> of the banter and or the hostility between you know the, t- the two uh, supporters, the two supporter Constant bases? Constant Rodrigo, in terms of, you know, chance sent either way. But we've, um, we've caught, you know, a bus and got a, a bit of a history of Liverpool. And 
The one thing that's absolutely true that they say is about families, you know, being divided by the club, but being together as a family. So, you know, we've learned something a little bit more about the history of the of, of Liverpool and the way that it evolved out of Everton, actually, um, about 12 years after Everton actually was in existence. And it is a, it is a rivalry and there is banter, but within certain areas, um, for instance, the guy on the bus tour that took us to Anfield for the tour talked about within his family, his mum was an Evertonian, his dad barracked for Liverpool, and, you know, how he goes one way or another, he went with his dad, and, and, and that's how it is. And I think there's a really, um, there's a very earthy feel to the city. It's a, it's a very working-class town, and that, that sense of the football club meaning something than just, you know, a team that you follow... Is, is palpable when you come to the city. Now, Warren, the game itself, obviously, uh, you know, uh, I remember standing there when we were used to do on-the-ground stuff at Amy Park and at ground level, the, you know, the speed of an A-League game seemed like it was just out of out of this world. Did you get a sense of the the frantic nature of a derby from where you were sitting yeah. at Anvil? At yeah, Anfield? absolutely. Absolutely, Carlos. I think, um, to be fair, Everton were pretty much second best for most of the game and most of the and most of the performance came from, you know, the front front three of Liverpool, particularly Coutinho, who was back to his best. But the frenetic atmosphere, but even, um, you know, you just... You watch sport on TV and you're appreciated and you love it, and you know that feeling of then going to something live and then being amazed by the speed and the skill and the frantic nature of, of the game. And it was all that. And, yeah, there, were, there was everything except the send-off. I mean, there were probably... Two or three tackles that probably could have led to send off. So it was a, it was the absolute combination of skill, you know, talent, and but you know that edginess and that toughness. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite an amazing game. It'll be interesting tonight. You know, it's a Wednesday night traditional sort of Champions League night for the old. And they often talk about what Liverpool is like at night for the European games. And I dare say it'll be a the same atmosphere, but slightly different opportunity tonight as you go in the dusk over here to the ground and, and then build up for that 8 o'clock kickoff over here time. Now, uh, Warren, has uh, the Stephen Gerrard's family, have they been asking you nicely to leave their front lawn and just give them their <laughs> privacy, or has it been getting a bit yeah, awkward? Well, no, no, well, we, and this is, a, this is a strange thing, and I, well, I haven't, I promise you, I haven't been talking Stevie G, and I can't claim or make up the fact that I've seen Stevie G, but in the precinct that we are in, we've seen two Liverpool players with their entourages, Emre um, Chan and Roberto Firmino, just coming to exclusive restaurants and actually the Hilton Hotel for um, Coutinho's wife's surprise Christmas party on the Saturday night after that game. So the players are out and about, but the, the depth of, I don't know, love of Stevie G, you go into the Liverpool Museum and then Stevie G's got his own little, you know, Floor, which is the CVG collection, which is within the um, museum. But look, I can't begin to tell you. Like it's, it's just amazing. You, with Liverpool have got a store in town, and then they've got a store at the ground. And after the game on Saturday, the queues to the store at the ground were outside of the Shankly Gate onto the to the road. But it's sort of like going back to Australia. You know, it's sort of like going back to what Australia was like in the 50s. When I literally say to you, going towards the Anfield ground, that there is a pub literally on every corner. I'm not exaggerating. There, there are 
pubs on every corner, and it's an event, you know, to go on, to go to the game and to experience the game. And look, the only, the two things that have shocked me was the vibe of the town with relation to the football, and the other thing I have to say, boys, is is the weather. It's it's. <laughs> You know, Liverpool people walk around in T-shirts at 11 degrees, <laughs> and I'm in three layers, a beanie, a jacket. It's it's bitterly cold, and it's it's certainly coming into springtime. But it has been everything that I've imagined it to be, no question. Hey, Warren, uh, mate, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, great, you know, we were watching that game on uh, Saturday night our time, and... Uh, thinking about you just uh, being very, very chuffed at yourself, being <laughs> right there in amongst it. I just off the text messages, getting a lot of um, um, texts saying that uh, Mike McGrath sounds like an Aussie these days. You know? <laughs> Ask Mike McGrath this. But, uh, well, well, I, I might catch up with Mike in, in London, hopefully. But, uh, no, boys, it's, I, I'm glad that I did apply for this leave like two years ago, and Carlos was um, <laughs> nice enough to grant me the unpaid leave for this trip away. But... Um, I'll be back next week. I have a little gift for each of you because oh, I have nice. been shopping. So, right. um, and I have shopped well, Vinny, just very quietly. Got some good deals and uh, got too much Liverpool stuff, can I say? But I'll be back next Wednesday and uh, yeah, it's been everything that I'd expected. And if you're a football fan and you can find a way to come and you know come over to England, I think we're actually going to go and experience a different experience on um, Friday night. We're going to go and watch QPR play Brighton Hove Albion at. Um, at Selhurst Park, and I'm just going to get an experience of a, of a championship game and see what that's like as well. So you can absolutely immerse yourself in football here. It's, in, it's an incredible... Um, it's far bigger than I even thought it was. And I know people say it's big, but it's real big when you're in a town like Liverpool. Well, mate, um, enjoy your, the rest of your stay, and um, we'll see you next week. No worries, boys. Thanks for calling. And um, look out for me tonight. I might do something stupid. I might as well do something stupid. So uh, why not? Watch out for the game tomorrow morning, your time. You never know what might happen. Don't get deported. That's all I just <laughs> want to say to you. Right. Don't get deported. <laughs> There's, uh, there you go. Thanks for that. Uh, Warren Diego live from Liverpool. Um, he's sounding very, very happy with himself. Mm. And why wouldn't he be? Hey, uh, let's take a break now and come back with uh, Jackson Irvine right after this on the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. Argentina's biggest and best supported club, Boca Juniors, were founded in 1905 by an Irishman named Patrick McCarthy and a group of Italian immigrants. The founding members, unable to decide what colours to play in, chose to adopt the national colours of the next ship to sail up the River Plate. The boat was Swedish, hence Boca's strip of blue and yellow. This has been a useless trivia moment by the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Rise and expectation. So we see with the outswinger, and it's gone in. Jackson Irvine. He nearly scored in Tehran. He has scored in Sydney. A first international goal for the young midfielder. What a start for Ange Postacoglu's team. There you go. It still gives me goosebumps, uh, gentlemen. Uh, That was Jackson Irvine scoring his... uh, Maiden goal, let's call it, uh, for the Socceroos. And he's been good enough to join us on a big day for him because he's got a game uh, very, very <laughs> soon against Newcastle. Jackson Irvine, welcome to the Four Diegos. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's uh, Rodrigo Rodriguez. We've got Vinny Venezuela and Carlos Alberto Diego. Jackson, I've got, I've got to ask you the first question straight up, right? When Ange comes out and says, I'm playing three at, at the back, <laughs> does someone say, you're kidding? <laughs> no way. 
Please no, Ange. Did anyone say that or were you all just on board from the get-go? No, of course we're all on board from the get-go. Um, it's not not really unusual anymore to see teams playing three at the back. I've been part of a 3-5-2 formation for most of this season here at Burton. So, um, you know, obviously it was a, it's new to us in terms of the Socceroos setup, but you know, I'm sure most, most of the players have at some point come across the three at the back during their club careers. Jackson, as we heard then from uh, Simon Hill's commentary on Fox Sports, you scored for the Socceroos. Then you know you go home. You, you, you know you, you you play you play a couple of games, obviously for the Socceroos. You go you go home to your to your club, Burton Albion, and score against Huddersfield, which is Aaron Moyes' uh, team. The winner. What can you imagine a better you know ten days or so for yourself? No, I probably couldn't possibly have uh, imagined it going any better from a personal point of view. Obviously, I, we were disappointed not to get the result in, time, uh, in the Iraq game, but uh, we bounced back from that very quickly, and I thought we were very comfortable in the game in Sydney. Probably should have been a little bit more convincing with the result. But, um, yeah, and then obviously coming home, and again, I was disappointed because I didn't actually start the game uh, on Saturday. Um, manager pulled me aside the day before, and obviously having played the two games and all the travelling, uh, said that he would prefer it, uh, that I was fresh to come off the bench around the 60-minute mark, and you know, fortunately that that led to me taking the full length of the pitch run that led to the counter attack and the and the 96-minute winner. So, I'm unbelievably pleased with how the week went, and yeah, it was a bit of a dream. Now, Jackson, it's Carlos uh, John Eloisi when he scored the great goal that got us to the World Cup for the first time in 32 years back in 2005. Uh, when he scored, he took off his shirt and he ran like 80 metres to find his family in the in the grandstand and, and celebrate with them. Now, I, I saw after you scored the header uh, against UAE in Sydney, you, you ran straight, almost you know, right angles to where you scored. Was there someone there you were you know, going to celebrate with or were your family somewhere else in the stadium? They were actually in the complete opposite side. <laughs> when it, like, it was just sort of the direction I was, because I was sort of running across the goal uh, to the near post, and uh, obviously Jimmy Teresi put in a brilliant ball. So, you know, I just sort of carried on my run after I saw it sort of roll in and, and ran over to the corner uh, to celebrate the goal. And then once we got back to the halfway line, I knew where my family was sitting, so I gave them a, a little kiss and a, and a wave uh, when we got back to the halfway line. So uh, And then, obviously, I ran to them at the, at the final whistle, so... Yeah, but in the moment when you score, it's just pure panic. And, you know, you don't, you don't really know what to do. You just sort of just go with it and sprint away and try and enjoy it. At the, if you don't find someone, do you just hug a random just to make yourself look good? Oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, just just share the love. Just get that That's out everyone. It doesn't really matter who it goes to. Now, Jackson, just on that uh, Socceroo game in Sydney, it was, you know, we, we got a good result, but uh, I guess the performance probably wasn't uh, what we would have expected from the Socceroos because I think everyone in Australia knows what, the quality that, that, that we can put on the pitch and it was, it was a little bit scrappy and a bit ugly. Can you tell me about the, the pitch itself? It, it looked pretty ordinary too. How did you find the pitch and w- was it better or worse than it looked? Ah, uh, yeah, it was ordinary. You know, there's no sort of shying away from that. We haven't uh, probably throughout this whole process, aside from the game from Perth, uh, we probably haven't come across an ideal surface for the way we we like to play. But you know, the conditions are just something that we've learned to adapt to and and try and deal with as best we can. You know, even in Tehran, um, where it was even again even worse, um, we put together some really nice passages of play uh, with the ball on the ground, and we know we're capable of that. Obviously, it's not always going to 
what ideal you're going to have bubbles, you're going to have uh, bits of you know unpredictable bounces and that that sort of thing. But um, you know, I think we adapted to the to the game pretty well. And uh, you know, obviously everyone will say you know we scored the goals from set pieces and everything, but both goals came from um, build like build up of play of, of us playing the football that we liked to through the third. Uh, leading to wider areas and trying trying to get balls into the box that led to those set plays. So, you know, obviously people will always be critical of our performances unless, you know, we go and win 5-0 every game. They'll always <laughs> find a way to sort of pick holes in, in, in what you're trying to do. But, um, you know, we're, we're still building and learning. And, you know, a lot of those boys, that was quite a, a different-looking starting 11 probably to, um, you know, the throughout the stages of qualifying. So I thought we dealt with it really well. And I, as I said, overall, I felt that we were pretty comfortable in the game. Jackson, uh, how about your own growth in the in the squad? Uh, obviously, when you first came into the squad, you're a young guy. Uh, often, you know, the young guys have to do the chores. You know, maybe pick up the balls and the cones after the training, and, and you know, bring them in onto the bus and get back to the hotel, and maybe wash the gear or you know whatever you got to do as a, as a young Carry guy in the squad. Bag. But then, when you start getting picked as a first eleven player, and then you score, and you're getting you know you're up there in the top three best players on the pitch. What changes in the squad? Do people change, sort of treat you a little bit differently? Uh, are, are, are you then you know, maybe sending some of the other younger guys like Riley, uh, Riley McGree or something to go and get the balls? Or What changes for you in the squad? Well, that's probably the, the biggest thing about being a part of the Socceroos setup uh, that I've sort of enjoyed the most is the minute you walk in that door uh, to level playing field, you're, everyone is as respectful and as you know, treated in the exact same way, whether you're, you know, Riley, an 18-year-old with his first ever call-up, or you're Timmy, you know, and I'm, you know, probably our greatest ever, you know, Socceroo, and uh, straight away, as soon as you walk in, there is no distinction between anybody. Everyone's treated the same. We're all there to serve the same purpose, which is, you know, do the best we can for our country and, and try and do it, you know, do that to the best of our ability. And, uh, you know, so as I said, nothing really changes at all. Everyone's obviously delighted for you in a personal sense when you get to play and, and you know, when we score the goal. But you know, the most important thing is always going to be the team. And, uh, you know, as I said, I think everyone's just delighted to be there to play a part and contribute in whatever way they can. Here in the Four Diego's, we're speaking with uh, Socceroo star Jackson Irvine. Now, Jackson, after the, uh, after the game against UAE, um, Ange Postacoglu came across a little bit grumpy, um, you know, in the, in the media saying, you know, kind of questioning... Uh, some of the commentary around the new formation, and uh, there was a lot of commentary around the new formation, especially after the Iraq game. Um, tell us about what was he like after the game in the rooms with the boy? What did he convey to you guys, given, given you know, what most of us would consider a pre- precarious position in terms of uh, automatic qualification uh, to the World Cup in Russia? Um, our situation and, and attitude in the dressing room has, has never really changed. Uh, even throughout, you know, obviously there's been criticism in the media, and you know, it's you know, although we 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 do ignore it to the most extent, you are aware of it. But everyone is everyone has always been calm. Everyone is always on the same uh, on the same wavelength, which is that you know we're still all learning and growing together, and and putting into practice the principles that we all believe in in in, in a footballing sense. And uh, you know, we know that there's going to be always going to be tough things you know to deal with like the conditions and the way opposition set up against us and you know the way they try and frustrate us and everything as people saw with japan you know i don't think people fully you know respect the idea that japan came to melbourne and completely Mm. sat behind the ball you know which is probably something they've never you know never had to do um and it just shows the respect that we've gained in a footballing sense in asia and 
uh, you know, we need to keep growing that and, and try and push that into, a, you know, even a, a bigger scale. And uh, as I said, we were all calm in the dressing room. Everyone knows what we're trying to do. And as I said, you know, I've, I've said in the media before, uh, you know, criticism, you know, can will always be there no matter what. And uh, as long as we believe in what we're trying to do and, and uh, or are all on the same page, then, you know, that all just becomes sort of white noise in the background. Jackson, Vinny again. Just uh, in terms of the games that we've got... Uh before us, before we qualify, is there an attitude towards different teams or is it just a matter of just sticking to our game plan and this is how we're going to move the ball and we're going to go here and then we, we want the ball there? Or do you think, okay, for Saudi Arabia, we need to set up this way. For Japan, we need to set up that way. Can you give us a bit of an insight, generally speaking? Uh, well, obviously, first and foremost, we focus on, on our structure and our principles and um, the way we want to play, that doesn't really ever change. But we um, we definitely, you know, do our homework. The staff uh, have an incredible amount of information. They, w- they work so hard to give us everything we could possibly need on any individual from any opposition or, you know, the way a team, certain teams set up, just so you have all the information yourself going into the game. So you may be aware that that, that player... You may be aware that that player goes onto his left foot or onto his right foot more and... Um, but no, you know, we, that doesn't really change for us. We all will always still go out and try and play football in, in, in the same way and, and in the, within the structure and principles that we've sort of been taught to play in. Now, Jackson, uh, I was the king of uh, relegation battles when I was uh, playing in the pub <laughs> leagues here in Melbourne. Um, it made me a nervous wreck, to tell you the truth. Year in, year out, year out we're trying to stay up. And uh, we're always, you know, per- for almost from the first game of the season, we were in a relegation battle every year. Um, how are you handling what's happening at Burton at the moment? Of course, you came on and scored the winner on the weekend. Just a priceless three points against Huddersfield. You've got a big game against New- Newcastle tomorrow. Um, is everyone pretty calm there at Burton, or is it everyone pretty anxious about uh, about the prospect uh, about the prospects for the rest of the season? No, we're, we're, again, we're pretty calm here. Um, we've got a very experienced squad and um, a staff that have, that have been involved in, in this league and uh, for, for a number of years. And we're, we know that you know we've probably got arguably the hardest run in terms of fixtures, but uh, we fully believe in, in the ability of our players and the way we're set up to play to. Uh, to avoid relegation. And funny you should say that about being in relegation battles. I think I'm finding myself in a similar sort of way. When I was at Kilmarnock in Ross County, we avoided relegation on the second last day and the last day, I think, of my first two seasons. And then, you know, it's, it's probably, it's probably going to go right to the wire this season as well. So, um, you know, it's something, it's the pressure you deal with when you're, you know, when you're in those situations. And, um, you know, a lot of teams will, will crumble. But, you know, we showed on Saturday against Huddersfield that we can, grind away until the very last kick of the ball if that's what it takes to win a football match. And Jackson, uh, your your manager, Nigel Clough, is the son of the, of the great Brian Clough. And, of course, Brian Clough was a, a huge personality, one of the best managers in world football for his time. Nigel's a very respected manager himself in his own right. How do you find him? Is He he doesn't appear to be, in public, uh, the sort of the outlandish, big-talking uh, sort of manager the way his father was. How do you find Nigel Clough as your manager? Um, yeah, from a personal point of view, he's been great with me. He's, uh, you know, probably identified that part of my game, uh, scoring goals and getting in the box, and and sort of emphasised that to me. That again, I probably didn't know existed before I came here. Uh, but you know, he with the limited resources that we have here, but in terms of um, you know finances and everything, the way that he's built this team and 
and obviously saw them through, came in halfway through last season, saw them through a promotion, and, um, you know, we've, you know, done more than enough this season. You know, as I said, I've said in interviews, we were, uh, we've got 44 points now after 39 games. 41 points would have kept dropped last year. So, you know, we're, we're, with seven games to go, we're already three points ahead of what you'd need last season and we're still not safe. So, you know, we're, we're still trying to achieve, you know, something that probably people had written us off from, from day one. And uh, if they do, it will, it will be a testament to the staff and, and, and indeed the players as well. And Jackson, uh, just uh, on that Huddersfield game, after the game, do you catch up with Aaron Moy or do you just uh, give him a hard time on the pitch after you score a goal? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I spoke to him very briefly, but obviously he was, you know, the Huddersfield players were all a bit, uh, you know, obviously devastated with the result. And, um, you know, we just sort of, uh, we dropped, we messaged each other the day after and just sort of let, let the, uh, have time to sort of sink in. But, mm. you know, um, he, uh, he was obviously very pleased for me scoring the goal, but obviously it's put a big blow in their, in their push for automatic promotion. So, uh, you know, after the game, I, I didn't want to, you know, sort of <laughs> too much. So, so you know, you just sort of leave each other be and and then catch up later. You don't look like the nyan 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 guy. <laughs> you know, um, no, no, no. You, you're a bit more uh, it was very zen. I'm not. I'm definitely not the gloating side, but it was very difficult to wipe that smile off my face. I was made after a 96 minute winner. You should never take that smile off your face, yes. mate, because uh, you're scoring for fun at the moment. You're, you're playing, you know, you're in fantastic form and it's, uh, you know, filtering right through the Socceroos. Hey, we know you're a Melbourne boy and uh, our listeners know you're a Melbourne boy. Is there a message for your family? Because we know they listen to the Four Diegos um, just before we let you go. Oh, they hear enough from me, so I don't need to say anything. Them, but, uh, I'll be seeing them soon enough. That's right. We're not in the era of telexes and things like that now, are we? We, uh, yeah, you kind of keep in touch with your family pretty regularly, I would imagine. But um, absolutely, hey, mate uh, Jackson, really appreciate your time. Good luck uh, in your in your game against um, Newcastle um, in the next uh, little while. Of course, it's probably today your time. Um, tomorrow morning our time yep. so uh have a great game and uh yeah geez they're they're um they're second at the moment um it'll be a good win if you can get that one yeah absolutely It'd be extremely difficult but you know we'll show them we're capable so we'll see how we get on hey thanks for your time tonight and uh, we'll talk to you again soon no worries guys thanks for having me thank you there's jackson irvine socceroo star and burton albion star just before a big game against newcastle 10 years socceroo 10 years uh, neil i should have told him that, he's a, that no no that. i don't want to put a mozzie on him <laughs> But he's a 10-year socceroo. You just did. His family can hear this. <laughs> Angie's listening. Yeah, everyone else, I don't want Jackson to be worried about what my predictions are about yeah, him. But yeah. family, the Jackson family, sorry, everyone <laughs> family out there, Angie's listening to us too. 10-year socceroo. Absolutely. That's, there you go. That's from Carlos Alberto Diego. And hey. I challenge anyone to prove me wrong in 10 years' time that he's, if he's not. And didn't Ange just put two ticks beside his name oh, when no. he said, yeah, I'm happy playing three oh, at the yeah. back? Oh, yeah. yeah. Very good, good, on uh, very good uh, speaker, of course. No and, uh, fear. No, no fear, fear, these kids. They'll play with three at the back. They'll play with one at the back <laughs> if they need to. We need to take a break now, boys, and come back with more of the Diegos on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. In the language of soccer... Resign is a code word meaning the coach was given a choice of quitting, being fired, or having the fans blow up his house. To all you coaches out there, happy coaching. We are the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos.
Thanks for your company tonight here on the Four Diego's. Great speaking with uh, Jackson Irvine and uh, and of course Warren Diego as well. It wasn't uh, so great speaking, no, no, but it was good speaking to uh, Jackson mm. Irvine. Uh, different leagues, I think. Hey, <laughs> hey, boys. Um, what about video assistant referees? This weekend is the first weekend where uh, VARs, are they calling it VARs? Or yeah, video assistant, assistant referees. referees. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, the A-League is, is a pioneer mm. um, in terms of the you know an elite uh, competition, yep. um, is implementing a video assistant referees. Or the we're, guinea pigs. Or we're the guinea pigs, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, just wanted to, I wanted to uh, pump it up a bit, Carlos, but... Um, so it's a it's a it's a trial that uh, commences yeah. as I said this weekend. Focus um, on the refs' decisions. Were they clearly wrong? You know, yeah. just to kind of eliminate the howlers that we see from time to time. Um, you know, in terms of goals or no goals, penalties and no penalty decisions, uh, direct red cards, and yep. also mistaken identity. Um, <laughs> Which, which that see, happens yeah, often. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Vinny, what do you think about this? Is Look, it, uh, it slow down the game? About time, Rodrigo. Oh, yeah. About yeah. time. Been I've been a yep. proponent of the, you know, can't come too soon. Yep. But I am concerned about the size of the room the three blokes are in, just quietly. <laughs> I tell you now, someone has yep. a bad night of the, you know, and, and, and there's... But there's, you know what that's all about? It, it just prevents any coach running up the stairs <laughs> to berate the guys well, on the video. Well, are we yeah. going to need extra people from each club up there to, you know, if we can't hassle the fourth official, <laughs> yeah. we've got to now have someone. Yeah. How's Muskie going to cope with that, Carlos? Yeah, I reckon, you know, in conjunction with the VARs, they should have a Pope mobile for all the fourth <laughs> officials. A, a drone. Yeah, so no one can get anywhere near them. Um, I, look, I, I'm, I'm with you, Vinny. This is long overdue. Yeah, I agree. For world football, not, and it's great that Australia is doing it for the first time. But I wonder, because it's got to be obvious errors, right? It can't be one of those in, you know badly interpreted decisions. Like people say, oh, suddenly all the handballs and the penalty areas will be picked up. But actually, it's interpretation. The ball can hit you in the penalty area on the hand, but if your hand's not deemed to be in an unnatural position, you're okay. Yeah. So even if the video picks it up, that it's hit your hand, doesn't mean that suddenly it's going to be a penalty. It's got to be still down to the interpretation of the referee. Even with, oh no, you would have seen Castro take a dive on the weekend mm. against yeah, Adelaide. Yes, yes. I mean, even that one there, which was absolutely ridiculous. It was the biggest dive simulation of the highest order. Uh, it, there was still some contact from McGowan on that, and so Vars wouldn't actually make a decision on that, even though it was a clear non-penalty. So I still think we're going to have some contra- controversial things, and our referees have to be up to it. The good thing about it, though, is our referees can actually go now. Um, of course, I'll get the message down from the Vars from you know from on on you know the second in their little class. It sounds I like a disease, call, though. Vars. Yeah, no, it's um, they're a little. I think they call it the little cave. Right, they're in the cave, right? Uh, They'll still get the message from the cave that that we need to look at this. uh, But if the referee doesn't agree or wants to have a look at it himself, he can run to the side. There's a big TV screen there. Him and Kevin Musket and the other coach can have a look at it, and he can make a decision from there. So at least it gives the referee an out. Because apparently a lot of the referees who were involved with these really bad decisions, these howlers, um, they, I mean, they they incur a lot of stress after that because oh, sure. obviously the media attention and the uh, and the criticism by referees, um, and you know even commentary. I mean, Mark Bosnich wants to lynch these guys every time they do something uh, as clearly wrong as what they have. So um, I think um, I think it's a really good thing, but it's not going to eliminate all the obvious errors. It's because it's going to come down to interpretation at times. How long before the special one? 
<laughs> actually says they've got it in Australia. Why can't we have it here? Because that's yeah. what's going to happen too. I think he's going to be excited but about got, this brave but, new world. But they've got goal line technology over. But they don't have VARs. No, Carlos. they don't have VARs. No, they so don't. so players. It, it, this is not so for for if for, for our listeners, of course. This is a player will not. Uh, like you know, in cricket, there's the DRS where yep. where the teams have got a couple of uh, you know a couple of um, opportunities uh, yeah. to to question umpire's decision. This is not like that. This it's is not a player this led is or just, co- no. this is just the people in the cave. Yep, as uh, it should reviewing be. Reviewing every decision um, and then you know really trying to eliminate decisions that were clearly wrong, yep. not determining whether a decision was correct or not. No, it's not. They're, that's they're, it. They're not that, re-refereeing a decision that's based on interpretation. Uh, so this is going to be very grey anyway, especially in the penalty area. Um, you'll probably get uh, clarity on red cards, but at the same time, if the red card is given because of a tackle, that's got to be interpreted by the referee. And if the referee thinks it's a red card, um, so I, look, I think we're going to still have problems, but at I'm least to it. The, the goal line aspect of it, yep. uh, those obvious things. Um, the penalties. It's the, it, you yeah, know. But, the ob- but still with the penalties, I mean, if there's contact, that's down to the interpretation of the referee. If there's handball, it's still down to the interpretation yep. of the referee. Yep. So um, I don't know. Look, I, it's better. But I think we're still going to have some problems. I'll tell you one thing. It'll add a bit of interest uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, you know, the rest of the home and away season, if you like. I can't, I can't, I can't wait for the finals because um, no, I'm interested in this to see. Yeah. Because this this uh, system will be um, around also for the entire final series, including the grand final. So That's right. um, it's not just uh, for the for the next couple of games to the end of the home and away season. It just goes right through now. So looking forward to seeing how um, VARs or video assistant referees implemented in the A-League. Hey, um, talking about the A-League, uh, Snapper from Port <laughs> Phillip Bay has joined us and wants to talk about Melbourne City. G'day, Snapper. Good evening, gents. How are we going? Yeah, very well, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I, I thought I'd call in tonight because I know you probably won't be on on Friday night because of the AFL, but um, <laughs> our season, I heard today on SEN News just this evening, um, Tim Cahill saying that um, anything but a win is required for Melbourne City. I'm not sure if Tim Cahill realises that the season is done and dusted, that our grand final was last week against Sydney, as Volcana said, and the only real people that deserved the pat on the back were myself and the other travelling fans who went over there and hoped that maybe we might salvage a draw or a win, considering we've matched up pretty well against Sydney FC and we dished up that, that pathetic performance. And they've come out today and said that Adelaide has to win. Well, if... Jimmy really cared. They would have actually dug... Him and the boys would have dug a lot deeper last week against Sydney and got the three points and come back and play Adelaide at home, get the win and seal third position and seal qualification for the Asian Champions League going through the the qualifying stages. Now, we have to beat Adelaide, rely on Perth to defeat Brisbane and then hope, and I mean the biggest hope, is that hope that Wellington defeat Brisbane up at um, Suncorp Stadium before our game on Sunday next week. And quite frankly, this is Melbourne City all over again from last season. We get we get so close, yet we left ourselves down. And who are the people to pay for? It's the supporters, it's the members, and they wonder why we can't quite take that next step um, in securing the, another big membership base or fan base like Melbourne Victory or the Wanderers. It's simple fact is winning an FFA Cup wasn't good enough. Is that people wanted to finish top two, finish on top, more silverware. The women's have done it. 
the youth have done it. Why can't the men do it? And I mean, you know, Volcanus, I don't know what's going on there, but if if he doesn't know how to set up our best twenty, our best twenty-two, sorry, our best eleven week in week out, I don't even know why he's there. Why would you drop Sorensen for Bazanas? Yeah. I, I just don't. I don't. You've got the best keeper in the A League sitting right there on the bench, and he's taking up a visa spot. If you weren't going to play him. Why wouldn't you get rid of him? Why haven't we signed a replacement, injury replacement Snapper, for Fernando? Very quickly, is your bay half empty or half full? Are you, are you, like, is there anything positive about the, the city season this year or are you just not happy at all? Um, the, the, the positives I see is um, Tonyik in defence. He's done really, really well. I see Fitzgerald um, has come up in a very big way. You know, Azani came on against Sydney and tried to give some sparks. There's promising signs there, but unfortunately, it's just not good. The, the senior players around them aren't like Luke Bratton wants to go to Europe. Buddy, you ain't going to go to Europe when you're performing like that. Caceres wants to look overseas as well. Not good enough. If these players want to go to Europe, they need to follow in the footsteps of Aaron Moy. Not just have one breakout season, but have the second year at Melbourne City as a massive season to get, to get a look in into Europe. And unfortunately, the young kids that we've got coming through are a lot better than a majority of the kids in the A-League, in any in in other team. But our senior core players, unfortunately, I look at the only two players right now out of the senior, or three senior players would be Kilkenny, Bruno, and unfortunately, Colazzo, who everyone doesn't really rate. But unfortunately, he's a marquee and comes off off the bench. That's not what he's good for. He's good as a starting player, and he can make the game happen. But unfortunately, Volcano sees him behind Bruce Kamau or Nick Fitzgerald. That's not on. You've got to give this guy, Galato, game time because he can turn his game on its head. And he did it against Sydney. He was really, he played really well. But right now, I can't. I, I reckon we'll beat Adelaide. But I hate relying on other teams to do us favours because. I can't really see Brisbane losing to Perth and Wellington. And once again, we'll get a home final, but we'll bomb out in the second week and we won't play Asian Champions League. Well, that's... Start saying, you know. Hey, Snapper, mate, um, I, I, underst- I understand your frustration. It was, a, you know, a 3-0 thumping against uh, the champions who have been uh, taken all before them in Sydney FC. But uh, you got you got Adelaide this week, so let's hope that Melbourne City... Uh, you know, can can start getting some form before the finals because you know in a final series you, you just don't know. You know, it's uh, the best team on the day can obviously get through. So hey, thanks for your call there, Snapper. We need to take a break and come back with more of the Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN Melbourne's home of sport on eleven sixteen SEN the Four Diego's. Yes, we are definitely coming around the home stretch now. A bit of uh, a bit of information on Snapper. Just people uh, <laughs> saying he's jumped off the bandwagon after yes. going the early crow and all of that. But uh, definitely forthright in his opinions. Hey, let's quickly talk about Melbourne victory. Uh, they, Vinny, you were there. They mm. lost three uh, nil to Wellington Phoenix, and um, they weren't there. Rodrigo, I was there. They didn't turn up. Right. Was, that as, was that as bad as... That was bad as the, the defeat against Wellington at Wellington. It was probably, oh, yeah. wasn't as bad as that one. We yeah. were passing the ball around. We just couldn't penetrate. Oh, intent- it was very frustrating. The lack of intensity in that victory side on the <sighs> weekend. And people say, look, they had nothing to play for, this and that. But, you know, you can actually even go through the motions better than what they did on the weekend. And I, I get worried. If that's in your DNA, where you can put a performance in like that, where it's so lethargic and so... 
you know, lacking in intensity, that you just wonder whether they're going to dish that up at the, you know, really at the wrong time in the finals or something. Yeah. Because uh, look, there's a lot of talk about Castro perhaps coming, Vinny. That was your campaign from Perth to to victory, and even Reese Williams. Mm-hmm. I think players like that are the sort of players they need to bring in for next year because, uh, you know, if they if they're dishing up a performance like that when you know Muskie wants them to go a bit harder. Uh, it's a bit of a worry. They've got a tough game against uh, Wanderers uh, this weekend. Tonight's show was brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St. Monica's College in Epping. So remember, Carlos? We have a Puerto Rican girls hang out. We're, we're there. there. We're having Samba Rumba and La Bamba. We're, we're there. there. We're those girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet. We're, we're there. there. Everyone goes play football. We're, we're there. there. We are the Four Diego. Olé. Olé.